This is Living Forever, Not an Option, a podcast brought to you by Care Dimensions, a provider of hospice, palliative care, and support services in Massachusetts. Your hosts are Lynn Skarmis and Mary Crow. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to Living Forever, Not an Option, with, of course, your host, Lynn and Mary. Of course, by now, you know we're from Care Dimensions an organization that you just heard that is well-respected in Massachusetts and beyond for providing the highest quality hospice, community palliative care, and support services to patients and family, and we're throughout Eastern Massachusetts. Now, I'm telling you this again because recently we started a program called HomeMD. Now, what is HomeMD? It provides primary care services in home to patients 65 years and older. And yes, Mary, this is one of those, the doctors still make house calls. Remember back in the older days, I hear about, you know, the black bag, and they'd walk to the front door, and they'd come in? I'm too young for that, oh, Lynn, oh, but oh, yes, oh. I've heard about it. <laughs> yes. Oh, you keep telling me that. <laughs> I just keep forgetting. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, sorry, you make me laugh. Uh, my father tells me about times that yeah. he even had his tonsils out on his kitchen table oh, my. when he was young, my 87-year-old father. Yeah, so doctors back then yeah. did make house calls. Now, our new Home MD program, I should stress, <laughs> I'm not going to be taking your tonsils out on your kitchen table. No. But um, our doctors and our nurse practitioners go to your home. So if you're 65 years and older and having difficulty, and I say difficulty leaving your home, you don't have to be homebound, but it's a challenge to get out physically, mentally. It's a challenge. Um, and you can't get to your doctor's office anymore. You might want to hear more about our Home MD program. Now, right now, it's only offered in 26 communities north of Boston. So if you want any more information, I'm going to say, Mary, down the road, we'll do a program. You know, we'll do a podcast on HomeMD. We'll invite our medical director up and talk about it. But in the meantime, if you want to know more about our HomeMD program, call 888-281-0011. Or, of course, go to our website, www.caredimensions.org. You can read all about it. But enough about that. We'll fill you in in another episode. So let's move on for our topic today because I think this is a really good one. Uh, it's called The Importance of Listening. Yeah, I, I'm going to tell you, Lynn, I'm thrilled that we're doing this topic. Listening is so important in general, but it is critically important in the work that we do. It really is in terms of, you know, really communication and listening is the, the just the foundation of good hospice and palliative care. So I'm really overjoyed that we're doing this. Uh, you know, we picked this topic today because it affects so many people's lives and good listening skills are so important for, for patients, families, and, and for the providers. And, you know, listening to patients' wants and needs and understanding and respecting them. If you have siblings or other family members, being able to listen to each other respecting each other's opinions and working together to support and love each other during this journey is so important. You know, life in the dying process can be complicated, difficult, and emotional, and good listening and communication skills certainly will help everyone to navigate what lies ahead. It sure will, and I know every day, because you teach me, because I tend to be a little uh, <laughs> a little impatient, and I'm always moving on to the next topic, and you're always saying to me, could you stop and listen to me for a minute? And it is true. You have to stop and listen. So, Mary, um, tell listeners, because I know I'm learning, but why is listening so important? 
you know, it really is an integral part of communication. And, you know, when you talk about listening, you know, people think that this is just this passive process. But, you know, communication is the exchange of information between individuals, and that happens in several ways. So whether that's by, and it has to do with expressing people's feelings, wants, needs, opinions, thoughts, all of that. And it's, it can happen in a number of different ways, whether it be verbal or nonverbal. Now, a lot of times we, put, we think of communication as just this verbal exchange, but 80% of communication is nonverbal. So give me some nonverbal. Like what, when you say nonverbal, what, am I looking at facial expressions? Am I looking at hand motions? What, yeah. Uh, body movement? Absolutely. What? Tone of voice. You know, facial expression, okay. all, you know, uh, posture, all kinds of things come into play with that nonverbal. So, and, and we're doing this a lot. So we have the communication piece, which is the verbal nonverbal, but there's also the other part of communication is this listening piece. And I'm going to tell you, not everybody does it well. This is not something that we're just born with that just goes well for everybody. This is something we really have to learn. We have to hone this skill. And... I'm assuming, because uh, everything that I looked at, people can be taught how to listen. Uh, then now they're even looking at children and, and teaching them how to listen. Absolutely. I think listening really should be a part of every curriculum. I think it should. we should be taught this from early on, like you said, from, from our childhood, but this should absolutely be a part of every curriculum, and I don't see how this can be left out of certainly human service work or when we're caring or doing health care, for healthcare professionals, I don't see how this can be left out. And in the day, in the age of technology, where you know where the younger generation is on their phone and texting most of the time, oh. how are they learning? Right to listen, yeah. and then how are they learning besides texting to communicate and right. communicate properly? Yeah, I mean things are different now, and certainly technology is a big piece of it with the, just this generation. And we so we have to make sure that we integrate that in because this is it's just how time has gone on, and this is a part of that. But you don't want to let go of the other two. Because that stuff is really important. So we don't want to lose the connection. People need to feel that connection. So everything can't be through technology in that one. They have to feel with their healthcare provider that connection, and that's through those listening skills. And that's what I was thinking when you were saying that, especially during any, a health crisis, oh. especially during any type of, of health-related issues, you want that communication. Absolutely. And you want someone to be able to listen to you. Yeah. Uh, there's, it, it is so healing, Lynn. To, to truly feel like you've been listened to, there's, it's, it's really something that it's a, it's a healing process. It's amazing, and people need, people desperately need. I, I believe you, Mary. Um, so tell me, to just for our listeners, what are some of the skills that you feel are important to a good listener? You know, some of the things in terms of using good listening skills and techniques, you know, um, Buckman talked a lot about this, and they and talked about that there's um, some fundamental listening skills. One is about um, open questions and um, using open-ended questions. I, I, if you listen throughout a day, a lot of times people are asking closed-ended questions. We're really getting the information we need or we want without getting an understanding of what's important coming from that other person. And not just asking yes or no questions. And, and so, so really giving people an opportunity to, to talk more about what's important to them. Facilitating is another one. Um, and when we're facilitating, doing things like nodding or smiling we can even say things even like tell me more 
You know, rather Ooh, I like than, that. yeah, Tell there's, me more? and there's an open-ended question, right? Tell me more Tell as me opposed more. to asking that yes or no. But so, just saying, okay, right, yeah, right. Tell me more. Yeah, I tell like me that. more. Now, we also do that too, Lynn, by even nodding. We're giving somebody, when we're in an affirmative way nodding, we're encouraging people to talk some more too about that. People will look and they get this nonverbal from you in terms of if they look like you're not interested or whatever. And sometimes people, they there can be a misinterpretation, by the way. But if people are getting the feeling that that person's not interested, it can shut them down too. So when we're telling people to tell us more or we are nodding in an affirmative way, even leaning in, that sort of thing, we're giving people the message that were interesting so we're facilitating more another piece of that too is pausing see we could just go on and on without pausing pause and allow for the silence allow people to speak more and to go into the direction that is important to them so if you're talking about a subject kind of pause in between in case that other person wants to interject something right oh, okay. or pause give them a chance to respond See, and, and the other thing that I have always found in my work, particularly when I was doing direct patient care, is I always wanted to pause anyhow because I wanted to see the person's verbal, uh, to hear the verbal, but also see the nonverbal reaction. So a lot of times, and they call this the turtle effect, if somebody is having a hard time with the conversation or what's being said, sometimes you'll even see a person, they might close their eyes, they might turn their head, they might even change the subject. See, these are Ooh. all ways that people start to, that turtle effect is when that turtle goes into the show when it feels threatened. Well, people do this all the time. So they don't like what they hear. Yeah, they, so it's hard. It's, yeah. and, and sometimes we'll go on with the conversation when people are struggling with it and we're going again in our direction. If we pause, we can actually get more information about that and identify and say to the person, you know, this seems like this is difficult for you. Would you could you tell me more about it? Because if you don't, and you keep talking, and they're in that that turtle phase, they might not be listening anymore. Right, exactly. And then, or oh, they're they shut not, down. You're they're right. shut down, yeah. and then they're really not engaged in understanding and hearing what you're saying. Absolutely. Yeah. Ooh, so yeah. tell me more, Mary. Tell me. <laughs> like that. <laughs> wow. Now I'm expecting you're going to carry that over <laughs> I'm after it. the podcast, Lynn. <laughs> I want to hear you ask me. Tell me tell more me a more. lot. Okay. Another one is clarifying. We don't clarify, Lynn. We don't check in. We live under the assumption that we understand what the person was trying to say to us. So even you know, somebody might say just a little bit of an information and without us checking in and saying, I just want to make sure I got this right. So, uh, you know, and, and repeat back to the person, is this what you meant by this? Otherwise, we can live under that assumption and many times we're getting it wrong, that that's not what the person meant at all. So checking it out, clarifying, handling time and interruptions too. Um, this is where technology comes back in, Len, yep. right? So people, um, you know, I remember when I was, again, doing direct patient work, I would never bring my pager in. Certainly now with telephones, everything You wouldn't else. be looking at your phone no, every two seconds I wouldn't at be. those text messages, no, Mary? I left all electronics out at the nurse's station, and I would also tell the rest of the staff that I am going to be with a particular individual or family, and really I, I would ask them not to interrupt me unless it was an absolute emergent situation. And then I'd go the other way. When you're talking to the family, how many family members are on their phone and looking and Absolutely. texting and not paying attention yeah. and catching everything you're saying. So yeah. I think it goes both ways, Oh, right? absolutely. I actually saw, uh, and I, I, don't, I don't remember this fact exactly, but what it was saying is even having your telephone out on a table 
uh, interrupts actually the communication between people because on an unconscious level there's an expectation that the person might be looking at the phone or you know something might come through that sort of thing they see it light up yeah, they see yeah exactly i've so been in meetings see. and i turn my phone over because right. if i do see that light i yeah. i go to look at it absolutely how do we not i mean it's just human nature right so clarifying acknowledging who you know in terms of the, who, the patient who was with you telling them about any time constraints this is another thing we don't want to just run in and talk to a person so even in a conversation if you and I bumped into each other and I just like quickly like I had to be somewhere but I didn't say to you geez it's so great to see you running to a meeting in a couple of minutes you know I might be like agitated or, or just running off and you might think wow there was something wrong like I wonder if there's something wrong between us she might be mad at yeah, me what exactly. did I do right that's as what I'd be thinking right. right as opposed to I've got a meeting in five minutes right you know this just I'll be back to me. Yeah. I'll be back in an hour and we can chat exactly and I this just happened to me yesterday afternoon where I saw somebody I hadn't seen for years and this is somebody that's important to me and I immediately said, oh my gosh, I'm so thrilled to see you. I said, I just want you to know I'm going to be running off in a minute because I have a program. And I wanted them to know this, but it was um, because otherwise, again, it could look very awkward. They would have felt slighted probably. Absolutely. Yeah. So handling those time and interruptions. Very good points, Mary. Um, and it's interesting to see some of the statistics that are out there around people's ability to understand and remember what they hear. I know I have a few issues, um, <laughs> but at the University of Minnesota, they examined the listening ability of several thousand students, I like this one, and hundreds of business and professional people, and in each case, the person tested, listened to short talks by faculty members and examined, you know, the grasp of the contents. Okay, so that's easy, you know, you're listening and you're thinking you're getting it all, which I would, you know, as, as you're sitting there. But the tests show that immediately after, the average person only remembered about half of what they heard. Wow, isn't that something? Can you imagine? Yeah. It really shows half us. Half of what they... Yeah. So listen, podcaster. You know, everybody <laughs> who's listening today to our podcast, you're only going to remember half. But the great thing is it's taped, so you can go back yeah. and listen again. <laughs> but I did read also that if you're listening, you retain just a little bit. But if you have slides... Or, you know, like if you're on a webinar and you have slides, you retain a little bit yeah, more so that yeah, the, visual. the written piece as well as yeah. the um, the listening piece so helps, too. So many components to it, right? So, yeah. it's it's. Th I think the statistics are very interesting. They are. And as time goes by, you remember less and less. So you might remember 50% right after the talk, but, you know, a month later, two months later, you're remembering less and less. That's, yeah. you know, that's yeah. everything they're telling you. So... Again, that class on listening. I think we got to figure that yeah, one out, Mary. Absolutely, we might have a money maker. Here. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but like I, I listen. We do it. We do a class on listening. And I, one of the things, because I, I kept seeing this in my work, and I thought, wow, we got to put this out. And I want to talk more about that too, because the the class is called "Saying It Best When You Say Nothing at All: The Power of Listening and Presence." Mm. And uh, there you these, go. these are things, Lynn. Actually, I think about as I'm trying to drift off to sleep at night. Yeah, don't get much sleep sometimes, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, but that is an actual program that I was thinking just how important this was. And this stuff comes into my head as we're doing this, as, you know, when you're thinking about the type of work and the people that you've interacted with. Oh, yeah, all the time. So, okay, so we read an article from Joseph DeVito, and there's five steps to better listening. Now, I know you know them. So can you, you want to talk a little <laughs> bit about them and go into a little bit of detail because I think it's important? Oh, sure. Yeah, absolutely. So one of the steps is receiving the information. 
So when, when a person is receiving the information, this is just a basic step. Individual, here's the message being sent. I want to also say, you know, because we just assume not everyone can hear, right? So Very most true. people can hear, all right? Yes. But for the people who are able to hear, there's a distinction between hearing and listening. There's a true distinction. So most people can hear the words, but are they really listening for the message? So there's a, a, an absolute distinction. So receiving is that basic stage where an individual hears the message being sent by the speaker. The next one is understanding the stage. Uh, and this, this occurs when a receiver of the message attempts to figure out what the meaning of the message is. So then it's remembering. This one will be a trick for you, Lynn. What? <laughs> <laughs> what? So the remembering stage is when the listener either places inf information into long-term memory or forgets the information that's being presented. I guess we're okay. putting a, uh, seeing how important that is, right, of where we place that. Um, evaluating. That this is the fourth step. The evaluating stage is when occurs when the listener judges the content of the message or the character of the speaker, and and mm. we'll, we'll let's talk about some some of those barriers too in a while, huh? Because I think these are important. That's where that comes in. Responding. The responding stage occurs when the listener provides verbal and nonverbal feedback about the speaker's message. So during this responding stage, you can have two different types of feedback um, so, so that the speaker knows whether a listener is understanding what they're and, and what the listener thinks of the message, too. So this formative feedback is given to the speaker and when they're engaged in the act of the, the speech making, and the summative feedback is given at the conclusion of it. So, so like you do with your programs, Mary does over 500 programs a year educating people on palliative care, hospice, end-of-life issues, um, and we provide CEU programs, yep. we provide information to the community, but at the end of your programs, I always see you put an eval out. Right. And you yeah. have everybody yeah. basically grade yeah. the presentation, yeah. grade the speaker, yeah. and you, I know you, you look at every single one of those, and you take them and make sure that we're meeting the expectation oh, of people that are out there. Absolutely. You know, and it's funny, Lena, and we do that in that formal way too, but at the end of my, my uh, programs also, the, the last thing I actually always ask, is there anything that anybody else wants to say? Is there anything that, that you know, we didn't talk about then that somebody wanted to say? I want everybody to have a voice, and I want to make sure. So I, I try to listen in that way, too. So I'm asking on several different levels in that. I would always ask when I was doing direct patient work, I would always, always ask before I left a room to the patient or the individual and the family, is there anything that they haven't had a chance to talk with me about today that they wanted to? Because... Like I said, we get so task-oriented sometimes in our work that we're focused more on the information that we need as opposed to what's important that the individual is trying to impart to us or the information that they wanted to share. So I always ask those questions. So even patients and families should always make sure at the end to ask any questions. Right. Even if someone's hurrying out of the room, stop them and say, look, I, you know, I have a couple questions that I need, you know, or I need clarification. Don't yeah. be afraid to speak up and exactly. say something. No, I think we have to be our own best advocates, and I think it's good for people to write down their questions because I think it's hard for people to listen when they're in emotional turmoil, when they, uh, when they have an advanced illness, or when when this when there's sensitive information being brought up in the kind of work that we do. So I think it's hard 
I think people have a difficult time because, the, again, the, all the emotion that is, that is involved there. So I think it can escape them sometimes. So I encourage people, jot down your questions, make sure. And, and for, the, for the healthcare workers on the other side, really be totally present. Don't run in when you have a few minutes like we talked about earlier. Make sure you can give somebody your time. And, and if you do only have a few, make sure they know about that. But when, when we're running out a door, people don't feel like the, the health care worker or the person on the other end of the listening that they really care or that they're really invested in that exchange. And satisfaction. You know, patient and family satisfaction is very big out there. Um, that, that will contribute to good patient and family satisfaction oh, if I'm people great. stop and listen. Uh, I think it's one of the biggest things, Lynn, it to is. tell you the truth. Even aside from what is said, it's when people have a positive interaction with their care provider, that's even more sometimes, again, than the words that are actually spoken. It's how are they interacted with, how, what are the responses, you know, is, do, do they feel well tended to in that exchange? I think that matters a great deal. It does. It does. So what I'm getting is listening is the most important part of the communication. Yeah. Because if you fail to understand the message that's, you know, being said to you, you're going to fail in providing a substantial and meaningful response. Mm -hmm. Right? Is that what I'm getting? I agree. Okay. And I'm guessing this is the root of many arguments. Because <laughs> even I, we go at it I once in a while when I don't pay attention well <laughs> enough or you're not quite listening right to me. And we will because you misunderstand what someone's saying. Or, Absolutely. Or like you said, if I, you know, I could rush in and say something to you, rush out, and you're like, what the heck? You know, yeah. wh- what's going on? So there's a lot of misunderstanding, yeah. you know, and then there's complications. And it can happen anywhere, whether at home with your family, Absolutely. you know, at school, um, work. Or with each other. Uh, Absolutely. You know, I kind of see most of that. So we need to listen and listen well. So Mary, you had mentioned there's some barriers to effective listening. Can you go into that a little bit for us? Absolutely. So so that we're so preoccupied, Lynn. That what? I'm sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> so I had oh, to do that. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. Uh, oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> So I had to had to break it up a little bit. <laughs> I really was listening. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so go ahead, barriers. <laughs> so being preoccupied and not, you know, and you know, we we I I just think it's so funny how we're constantly like praising ourselves for being able to multitask and all this, and it, we can't multitask if we're, we're we're not paying attention to something. With, we're, if we're paying attention to multiple things, we're not giving things our true focus. So you know, being preoccupied is one thing, and and you you can even identify this Lynn how many times have you been in a conversation really with somebody and you're thinking of something else oh you oh, know too many times so I don't absolutely. Let you know. yeah yeah I always joke with the audience too when I have this program and I'll say you know even like we're sitting here right now and many of you will think of something else oh, even yeah. as I talk to you right now because everybody's know, busy yeah and I always say to them and yes I'm going to end on time so get that out <laughs> of your head if that's something that you're thinking about uh, another thing is um, so being so interested in what you have to say that you listen mainly to find an opening to get in Ooh. so people wait right they're, they're just waiting for you to take a breath yeah, or, even you just know, to breathe the, a little yeah, bit just a little bit and to jump right in right sometimes they don't even wait oh, they just true. interrupt right a lot of people do this we all do it at some point or another right we, you know because we really we just want to get our point of view in so th- we, we don't want to go there that's a true barrier um formulating our own rebuttal 
So we're, we're sitting there and we're thinking of everything we want to say, you know, that next gem that's going to come out of our mouth and, Instead and of how listening. we're going to, yeah, really, how we're, we're going to oh, form that rebuttal. Yeah. All um, sounds so true. Oh yeah. my gosh. Listening to our own personal beliefs about what's being said, right? So judging the speaker's message. And like I said, I think people out there can identify with this. Ha- have you ever sat there with a person you're thinking, wow, I don't agree with them at all? You know, I mean, thank God we have frontal lobes, right? So most, <laughs> most of us. Of us. <laughs> yes, most of us. <laughs> and not all the time, right? <laughs> no. So, So this is another piece to it is that really judging what that person's saying and not really listening to. And that last piece, which, which I had mentioned earlier in those five steps was the clarity clarifying. We don't often clarify. We work under the assumption we know what the person is saying rather than say, so Lynn, what I, what I think I heard you say was X, Y, and Z. Is that correct? And, and people kind of get a little weird about this because they think, oh my God, that's so uncomfortable. I don't want to do that. Say it in your own way. Mm-hmm. I just want to make sure I got this. I, it doesn't, I've you don't have to say those that. formal, ra- right. I, I you can check great. in in a way that it's comfortable for you. So you don't have to say it so formally, what I think I hear you say, uh, but I, you could say, listen, I just want to make sure I got this correctly. You know, is this what you were talking about? Cause I don't want to miss this. Do it in the way that c- it's comfortable for you. That clarifying is a key component. So, so I think that's a big piece, Lynn. Okay. You want to so, talk a little bit about active listening? Yeah, and and this that's the whole point is that there's different types of listening and this active, ref, it's actually active reflective listening. Oh. So, you know, this, uh, this Dr. Larry Allen Nadig talks about this active listening. So, and, and what he talks about is that there's a real distinction between hearing the words and listening for that message. And when we listen effectively, we understand what the person is feeling or feeling from that other person's own perspective. So it's like being in their shoes, Lynn. And and that's why, so it's really important that we understand that what they are thinking, what they're feeling from their perspective, not from our own perspective. So it's different. And that so this active reflective listening process is really important. Okay. Okay, so Mary, Michigan State University Extension suggests that active listening can help you talk with others more clearly and with understanding. It isn't always easy, but when you can learn to practice and practice it often, yep. it can help you build, be- basically the saying, it can help you build better relationships with, you know, coworkers, family, even children. It, you know, in active listening, they say it gets easier. Yeah. You know, it can help you navigate through difficult conversations. You know, it can help improve overall communications. I think it's one of the key points Absolutely. Here that we're talking about. Absolutely. This active of reflect listening, again, you know, Darden Nated talks about this is a single most useful and important listening skill. It's kind of that gold standard, Lynn. You know, so when you're generally interested what the other person is, is saying, when you're genuinely interested in understanding what that person is thinking and feeling from their perspective and, and verifying that feedback, which is, is that key component. I could see that'd be really helpful in healthcare. If you put, like you said, yeah. put yourself in the other person's shoes, yeah. put yourself in that caregiver's shoes, what they're going through if Absolutely. their mother is sick, or put it even in the patient's shoes, you yeah. know, that that is, you know, getting treatments or, you know, is facing an Absolutely. end of life, you know, issue. They, yeah. I think it's, you know, put yourself in their shoes, and then Absolutely. I think the communication and the understanding would be would be a better fit. Yeah, I, I do. I think it's it's very important in the work that we do. I, I do feel it's it's in, it's important in general also, just that we do this as a routine. But certainly in healthcare, you know, we talk, uh, people are, you know, 
people are sick, they feel vulnerable. They, they f- and so I think that they're in a different position too, that we have to just heighten our awareness of how important this is. Very true, Mary. So can you give us, you know, this active listening, can you give us some strategies around it? Yeah, you know, and, and Holly Tirrett from that SMSU extension that you were talking about talks about, about focusing your full attention on the other person, facing them, using eye contact, Lynn. This is so important. Now, I also want to bring up, though, let's not forget this cultural components, too. So eye contact is not always a good thing. So I always like to bring that in because, you know, this is standard stuff of what can be helpful, but we also have to have that cultural consideration because in certain situations, maintaining eye contact can be seen as rude. So we don't always want to do that. But as a general rule, these things are important. If a person is sitting, you should sit at eye level with them. If they're standing, because, you know, if, if you're sitting down and if I'm standing over you, there's a there's a power disparity there, right? So I want to sit sit at eye level. I also am a big fan about sitting too, particularly again in the work that we do, because it gives the message that I'm here and I'm taking my time with you. If I'm standing, I've got one foot out the door. Is that nonverbal, right? So asking those questions, you know, not being accusatory or blaming in questions, but also looking for the hidden meanings behind sometimes asking those open-ended questions uh, about things like, you know, what, what do you feel are your options? That sort of thing you know, what do you, what do you think you should do about the situation? These are open-ended questions. So keep yourself from judging, which we talked about what that person is saying, uh, repeating back, which we talked about too, which is so important. Is that clarifying the message and always putting yourself in that other person's shoes? You know, it's, that's just true empathy, right? To being able to, to accepting a person's feelings, not judging it. And we don't always have to agree with somebody, Lynn, but it's just honoring and respecting somebody's feelings and opinions. It doesn't mean that we have to agree with them, but we, we you know, not the, not judging it and not, um, you know, disagreeing or, or, I mean, we don't have to agree, but not being judgmental or, you know, antagonistic in that way with them around that. I know I have a, I have a, kind of a famous saying that I use that I've been using for a long time because when people will approach me you know especially our team you know we work in the provider relations team and people will come to me with ideas or just different things and you know I'll listen to them and I'll be thinking oh jeepers you know (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if this is going to go over well but I'll say to them well I don't love it but (laughs) let's continue talking about it and maybe we can get there you know so sometimes it's a matter of just working it out and kind of coming to a compromise. Right. So I know, uh, you know, I never say no, but I don't always love it when I first (laughs) hear it. So then, you know, you go through steps and you you talk it out and you you figure it out. Well, and I think that's the piece about saying, let's talk, well, let's talk more about it without squashing it right Right. away, right? Because um, it's just giving people an opportunity to work that out with you. Yes, it's it's good. Not bad. So Mary, before the show ends, um, because I know we're coming up on our time, can you give our listeners some good listening tips? Yeah, so so just some additional tips are um, encouraging people like we talked about to talk, uh, whether saying tell me more or nodding like I had mentioned earlier, being silent. One of the biggest parts about listening is being silent. And people have a hard time. We shift into action mode. We think we have to fix things or have the answer. We don't. Some of the best work we'll do is never opening our mouth. Avoid misunderstandings. And the way we're doing that is by clarifying, not changing the subject. Wow, is that a nonverbal message or a verbal message, right? You know, talk about judging people. 
take and I always take time and giving advice, right? This is some more from Buckman also. Is that uh, in other words, don't uh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> don't always uh, yeah, give the advice, you know. So uh, you know, and I have seen where it can be helpful sometimes to say, well, what others have tried is this. You know, oh, uh, you like know that. Th they others have tried this and found it helpful. But I, I think whenever we have the chance not to give advice in that way, uh, certainly depending on the field you're in too, encouraging reminiscing, uh, which is really important, having people tell their stories and creating their own legacies in that way. And we do that by listening, encouraging them to tell that and then by listening. So these things are really important. And you know, Lynn, when we're talking about this silence and all, when, and I had mentioned in that program the, the saying it best when you say nothing, all the power of listening and presence, right? And I just want to talk about presence for one more second here. And when we're talking about being silent, there's no greater gift that we can give another human being than our presence. You know, like I said, in healthcare, we just can't fix everything. But to be totally present with a person, it's amazing. And presence it's not about fixing things. It's about being silent, being present, being non-judgmental. But with presence, it requires vulnerability, acknowledging vulnerability. It uses intuition and empathy. It's about being in the moment. We are so, we, we worry about the future. We dwell on the past. We are so little in the present. And this is where we need to be. And when we are and we're truly present with somebody, people really, it makes a, such an impact on people's lives. Everything that you said, Mary, uh, I'm in total agreement with you. I listened really closely. And, of course, I have a great quote that I read. I didn't write it down, so I don't have the author. But it is a quote, so it's not coming right from me. Um, but it's, nature gave us one tongue and two ears so we could hear twice as much as we speak. Yeah, How do you is. like that? I love it. So it's I'm, so true. We're ending the segment on that quote because I think it's great. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we look forward to uh, hearing from you or on our website or for you tuning in the next time. Thanks for listening to Living Forever, Not an Option with Lynn Skarmis and Mary Crow. To learn more about Care Dimensions, please visit our website at www.caredimensions.org or check out our podcast website at www.caredimensions.org backslash podcast. We would love to hear from you with questions or comments. Please feel free to email us at podcast at caredimensions.org. And of course, you can always call our office at any time. The number is 888-283-1722.